I know I'm the guy that's always telling you you should start your online business and create passive income and launch a digital product, but I really don't want you to start an online business until you have heard what I'm about to say today. I want to break down the three biggest cons of running an online business, the worst things about it, and then after that, share with you the three ways you can redeem those negatives and turn them into a positive experience. Otherwise, I feel like your experience with running an online business will be a painful one, and I don't want that. Let's discuss. Welcome to episode 66 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business. Yes, we'll talk about that. Work less and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, right now, they are doing renovations in the building. People are just drilling up a storm. And so I'm hearing crazy stuff. So hopefully it doesn't distract us from our conversation because we got some work to do today. Uh, we're going to dive into why you shouldn't start an online business. Because everyone wants you to start an online business, myself included. A lot of times the people that want you to start an online business have skin in the game and they'll make money if you start an online business. And in a way, I'll include myself in that. If you buy my products, then I make money if you buy into the idea of starting an online business. But this content is free. The the free content I give to those on my email list is free. I, I don't really have any skin in the game I'm doing this podcast because I genuinely believe that you have an online business in you. You have a knowledge-based business in you, and I genuinely believe you have something to offer the world. And I love having an online business. I have two, but it is not picture perfect. (laughs) And I don't know if enough people talk about the negatives of having an online business. So as always, I want to be truthful with you, and I want to give you the truth. Um, So before we dive in, If you don't care what I have to say about starting an online business, you just want to start one. In fact, you want to start one this month. In fact, you need to make money in the next 30 days. I can help you. It's free. Again, I don't benefit from this at all other than the joy of knowing that you have the right information to actually go start an income stream. And I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart. We are still in the middle of just this crazy pandemic and people are still getting furloughed, still losing their jobs, still haven't gotten hired again. And so if you're one of those people that's like, this is the year I'm going to start my online business, but I don't know what to do. And I'm too overwhelmed to start anything massive. We'll start small. Download this guide. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put the link below. And it's going to walk you through a four-week checklist of what to do to go from no audience to making income in the next 30 days. Will it be a lot of income? Not really. On average, my students are making around $500 to $800 after that first 30 days, the ones that really do everything I teach. Uh, It's a great place to start, and it's a great goal to shoot for, but you will have been building the foundation of your online business that then you can ramp up. So I want you to have this guide. It's totally free. It's just bullet points, my friend. It's not even a book. You don't have to read. You just can skim. You can skim the thing, do the thing, and start from zero, nobody knows who you are, to pulling in income in the next 30 days. Again, it's at grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart or link below if you're watching on YouTube. But I don't really want you to start an online business until you've heard this. I think my life is pretty awesome. I've been really blessed. Um, I've gone from normal job and normal life 
to no job, losing two jobs in the same year in the last global recession, living on food stamps, stressing about how I'm going to pay the mortgage and pay for you know clothes and food for my baby and my wife, uh, and having a lot of uncertainty in my life. I've had that life. Uh, and then I've had the beginnings of an online business that seemed to be working. And then I've had that business grow into a seven-figure-a-year business. And then now a second super successful online business that just has blown away my expectations. And being able to help tons of people and, and wake up and do cool stuff, hang out like this and record this episode for you, teach my students in my paid communities and in my courses, even just the comments on a YouTube video where people had a light bulb go off or they did something I said and it worked. I mean, it really feels good to be able to make a good living, work just a handful of hours a week on your own terms, whenever you want and doing work you care about. I mean, these are all the things that we preach, right? As passive income, online business coaches. And that's what I want for you. But what are not, not enough people are talking about is the, is the dark side of it. I almost called this episode the dark side of online business because that's what it feels like. And I know the dark side because I'm human. And I have felt the dark side and seen the dark side. And I coach online business owners and they're human. And they come to me talking about the dark side. And guess what? I have friends who on the surface are very successful because guess what they are. But behind closed doors, they're just like me. They're human. And they want to talk about their fears. Oh, and there's fears. So we got to talk about the three, you know, there's a lot of negatives to having an online business and some of them are maybe more obvious than others. There's three that are really palpable to me that I wanted to break down today. Ready? And then we'll talk about how to redeem them and, and what you need to know before you really start an online business to protect yourself from these negatives. Seem fair? Okay. I think the, the number one biggest negative um, for a lot of people is no clear measure of progress or no clear measure of success, especially in the beginning. When you are building an audience, you are creating content, uh, even building your online course, like we talked about last week, there's no, there's no one telling you that you're doing a great job. There's no manager saying you're, you're on track. There's no team meetings where you can bounce ideas off of each other and, uh, and be encouraged that as a department, you are pacing the way you need to pace. There's no CEO giving you a forecast of where Q3 and Q4 are going and what role you have to play in that. I mean, it really is just up to you. And there's a million things you could be doing in your online business. And it's very easy to get lost. You could be obsessing over the YouTube algorithm. You could be obsessing over how to get more downloads of your podcast. You could be obsessing over SEO um, tools for your, your blog to make sure people see it on Google searches. You could be obsessing over the sales copy or uh, whether you should pre-launch with videos or a webinar or what your price should be. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're going to be second guessing and not know if you're making progress or if you're seeing success. Um, it's really just up to you. In a lot of ways, people can say, that's great. Then I can make up my own definitions of success. And I think they're onto something. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I can tell you from experience, and maybe you've felt this, that it feels very lonely. It feels like you have to pat yourself on the back when you do the simple thing like, hey, 
I outlined the sales copy or, hey, I um, did some customer research today. Great. Is that success? Pat on the back or I haven't made money yet. So am I progressing or am I just stalling or have I plateaued? I mean, it's hard to know. Lack of a clear measure of success or progress. I hate that. I mean, by nature, entrepreneurs, business owners want to go build something and see that they built it. They want signposts. They want to know if they're doing the right thing. That's hard. My wife is a really successful uh, multi-six-figure business. And we talk about this all the time. There are seasons where she feels like, I'm, I'm, do, I'm working on all these things. I don't really know if I'm moving in the right direction. And so she'll like, Show it to me. What do you think? Am I moving in the right direction? It's hard. And she has a team, but she's still the CEO. There's no one above her. She has to decide whether she and the team are moving in the right direction, if they're making progress. If you've started an online business, you might have felt this. If you have, let me know in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. Second negative, this one is sneaky because I don't know if everyone sees this as a negative, but the temptation to work all the time. I think that's one of the worst things about running an online business or working for yourself, period. But especially an online business. It just feeds into this desire, temptation to like just crack open the laptop a little bit more and, and keep working. I mean, people tell me, they almost spin it as a positive. Oh, it's great. You know, work a little bit. Uh, then I, you know, have dinner and then, then I'm sitting with my wife and we're on the couch watching Netflix and I crack open the laptop and I can keep working. Dude, that sounds like a friggin' nightmare to me. I, I, I don't want to have an, an online business that means I no longer get to enjoy my evenings watching Netflix or spending time with my wife or having dinner with my kids or having a night swim in the pool or just going for a walk or reading a good book because I'm working more. I never worked during Netflix when I had a day job. I... I left work so I could go live my life. So I think the problem is when you start an online business, especially the ones, the type of business that I'm teaching you to start, uh, you love your business because it's it's on the topic or the, 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 the niche that you're passionate about, that you're skilled in, that you care deeply about, right? You're no longer working for someone else. You're working for yourself and you're working on something you truly believe in, which is a wonderful gift. And then all of a sudden, it opens this door, this, this, the crack of the door to workaholism. We call it hustle in 2020. But workaholism, because that's all it is, is the crack is open. And so now you can kind of kind of see see through the door and it almost seems appealing. Like, man, I could, I could work off my phone. I can work on vacation. I've had conversations with friends where they say, like, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna be doing that much work on this vacation. It's gonna be great not going to be doing that much work. You shouldn't be doing any work. If you're working on vacation, that's not vacation, bro. <laughs> that's just working somewhere more beautiful, right? You're, if you're working on the beach, that's just your office for the day. It's just a really nice office, but that's not vacation, my friend. And that is one reason, and we talk about this, and we, we can do another episode on this, but that's one reason why so many business owners burn out, why so many online business owners cannot sustain the effort it takes to see the, the financial figures they want to hit, 
uh, because they burn out. Why do they burn out? Because they've never rested. But they say, Graham, I take you know weekends off and I take vacations. No, no, you don't. You stop working at the pace you were working during the week, but you still crack open the laptop while you're on vacation. You still flip through your Stripe stuff or your Kajabi backing on your phone on a Sunday. And I'm raising my hand. I've been there. And if you do that, you're mentally in work. Even if it's for 30 minutes, you just you just ruined your day because just opening up your inbox or opening up your Stripe backend or opening up your uh, your Slack channel with your team or whatever it is, you've already mentally gone to work that day. And even if it's for a short amount of time, you are now mentally transported there and it is really hard to shut that off. So you're not truly resting on the weekend and you're not truly resting on vacation. So in essence, you could go a year or two or three thinking that you have a rhythm, but if you're working on vacation or working on the weekends, even for 30 minutes, you're never taking a break. So you basically are working three years straight and that typically leads to burnout. Very few people can sustain working around the clock for a year or more. Very few people. And I would argue that it's not healthy even for the people that can do it without burning out their adrenal glands or just burning out their soul. So the problem when you run an online business, and now people don't talk about this enough, is you will be tempted to work all the time because you can. And because of fear and insecurity, we'll get to that in a moment. I hate that. I hate that that temptation is real, even for me. I don't work very much at all. I get made fun of by some of my friends. Oh, Graham, you're the guy that doesn't work. Uh, That's not true. I do work. Just I'm efficient. Um, And I've chosen to to build businesses that don't require a ton of me and don't require really much management or oversight, if at all. But that's because that's what I'm interested in. I like the freedom and flexibility to try new things, do new things, have time in my week to pursue other endeavors that are interesting and creative. but I work, but even me, it is tempting to dive into work because it's right there. I mean, my phone, this thing is the worst. It's the greatest and the worst. It's the worst because I can one click be right inside a Kajabi. I can one click, I can see my sales data. I can see what students are saying. One click, I can see how my latest video on YouTube is doing. Like one of the worst things and best things about YouTube is if, you've, if you're if you a YouTuber, you know in the YouTube back end, the YouTube studio, the moment you log in, there is a ranking of your most recent video in terms of how it's performing as compared to your last 10 videos. And that's both cool and a curse because it's just a, it's a game with yourself and you want to win the game. You know, oh, this video is ranking fifth of my last 10 videos. So it's not as popular in the first three hours, the first 24 hours, or first 48 hours. So any of that is one click away. And that temptation is just there to dive back in and to just stew in my business. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to address. Um, I feel like it's one of my missions. And you let me know in a comment below or email me, Graham at GrahamCochran.com, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, you let me know if you want to to hear more content about this balance of working um, and this temptation of working too much. 
and workaholism and overwork and hustle and all these things that are plaguing our culture right now, specifically online business owners. People who have passive income businesses, quote unquote, can be tempted to overwork, which is the irony of it all. Let me know. I really have a lot of thoughts on this. I'd love to create more content on this, but I'd love to hear from you. If you don't care, then I won't talk about it, but it's it's something that's really important to me. Um, so that temptation to work all the time, it just sucks. I'm, I don't know how else to say it. And then the number three biggest negative about running an online business, and we got to talk about this for a second, is the fear of losing momentum. I call this the foot on the gas pedal problem. Everyone believes in momentum theory. You see it in sports, right? When the one team, the momentum shifts, um, you know, I'm a big football fan. So the most recent Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, it seemed like the first three quarters of the game, the 49ers had momentum. They just played, they just were outplaying Kansas City. Um, really stout defense, good enough offense. And it was like, wow, 49ers are going to do it. But the Chiefs played okay enough to stay in the game, and that allowed them to have the momentum shift in the fourth quarter. And then Patrick Mahomes just did what Patrick Mahomes does, which is just crazy, weird video game stuff. And he just almost willed momentum onto his team and willed his team to catch up and then to win and to go out as Super Bowl heroes um, and champions. Momentum, we see that in sports. That is a real thing. And we see that in business and we believe it in business when a business seems to just have momentum and has the support of customers and maybe PR and good good media and things are just humming along and working. And when you are a solopreneur, when you are a one person, two person, three person business uh, and you're an online business and you're starting out and it feels so hard because there's no momentum when you start, right? It's all friction, right? Like, do you remember in science, you you'd learn about the coefficient of friction and how there's certain things that were harder, yet a higher coefficient of friction. I'm not a, that's a physics person. So forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. But as I remember from eighth grade, that certain things have a higher coefficient of friction, meaning it takes more force or more energy to break the bonds of friction to begin momentum. And you think about it as simply as pushing a boulder, right? If I wanted to push this microphone across the desk, very low coefficient of friction. I could just push and it would move. It doesn't take much effort to break the friction of gravity on the, on the rubber, on the stand, and the table, right, or the bar counter. Uh, but a boulder, so much heavier, so much more friction. It takes so much more force to get that boulder going, just like your business. So much force, it feels like at the beginning, like you're doing all the things and you don't see much payoff. But eventually, eventually, the boulder starts to roll. And as it starts to roll, you've broken that coefficient of friction down. So it takes way less force or energy or effort to keep the boulder moving than it did to get it started. Momentum is huge. And until you've tasted it in business, you can be very discouraged. And I would say for me, it was a year and a half to two years of pushing a boulder, not feeling much revenue. I just reopened my journal um, from 2010. I think it was the end of 2010, I'm um, going into 2011, and I made $3,000 in my online business in my first full year of business, 2010. So 
So I was writing at the beginning of 2011 how I made $3,000 in my online business in 2010. I worked almost full-time for a year, and that's all I had to show for it. Now, there's a lot of reasons why. I had no idea what I was doing. If you download my Jumpstart Guide that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode at grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart, you will know more in that guide than I did in the first two years of my business. So you could probably make that in the first couple of months. It took me a whole year of pushing. But then in year two, I felt like I got more momentum even though I was pushing just the same amount. And by year three, I was doing six figures. In the beginning of year three, and I wasn't pushing any harder. And that's been the story of my business. The business is a six, seven, excuse me, a seven-figure business now, and I barely push at all. Some weeks I don't push literally at all. And it's, it's, it's really got speed. That's momentum theory. So the problem is that's true. And when that's true, what happens is, especially with online business owners, is we start to fear taking our foot off the gas pedal oh, I've got some momentum going. I got a taste, you know, Nacho Libre. Got a taste of the glory. See what it tastes like. When you taste momentum and you taste things clicking and working, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. So here's the challenge is, is your foot on the right gas pedal? Because a lot of times, and I've had conversations, even intense conversations, debates, with friends of mine who are successful in their own right, debates about what gas pedal you need to have your foot on. So for example, I remember one conversation in particular where one of my friends who has a very large social media following, and we're talking about in the millions, um, said you know, one of the most important things that he does and his team does is respond to every single YouTube comment, social media comment, every comment. And I said, well, how, how do you do that? He said, well, I, I spend a lot of my day doing that. And then I have two or three people that I employ full-time to respond as me to every comment. I was like, that's mind-blowing. I was like, why do you keep doing that? Just, just stop. Like, you could stop, bro. And he, and he said, no, dude. This is, if I, if I slow down on that at all, the business will crumble. And I challenged him on that because, A, if that's true, you've built a pretty faulty business, a business built on something really shaky. But I don't even think that's true for him. So I really pushed against him because I care about him. And I love him. I said, man, I don't think that's true, bro. I, I think you believe that that's true. But he, to, the, to this day, as far as I know, he will keep his foot hard on that gas pedal for fear of losing momentum. Have you felt that? If you haven't started an online business, you will. And I hate that. That fear of, oh, I want to slow down, but I can't. Because if I do, I mean, that's what leads people to do the second thing, which is work around the clock. That's why people crack open their laptop late at, laptop late at night or while they're watching Netflix or while they are on their phone doing work stuff on the beach, on vacation or on a cruise. Like when you go on a cruise, no one's going on a cruise right now. I get that. I love cruising. So my part of my soul has been crushed because I love going on cruises. That's like one of my love languages. Um you know what would be super dope is if we could have like a, a passive income online business cruise and we could all get together on a cruise and talk about online business, you and me. I know people do this, but maybe I should do my own one day. That'd be awesome. Let me know if you want to go on a cruise with me and talk online business. But anyway, one day when cruise ships are safe again and we can get on cruise ships, I will be there 100%. Um, it blows me away that people get on cruise ships and then they want to pay for the internet package. I'm like, why do you need the internet? 
Like what that you're that like literally is the most oxymoronic thing I can think of. You went on a you went on a ship to sail away from everything. And it's presumably a vacation. Otherwise, I don't know why you're on a cruise ship as a passenger, right? You're sailing away to someplace beautiful um, with overpriced drinks and and all-inclusive eating and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Why do you need the internet? I mean, you don't need to to know what's happening on the news for the next four to seven days. You'll find out when you get back. You you don't need to check email. You just get back to them when you get back. You, You shouldn't be working, so you don't need, but it blows me away that people want to get on the internet. And for the longest time you couldn't, but now they've got pretty decent satellite internet on cruise ships where you can pay for an internet package. And that's, that's because if you're, if you're a business owner, if you're an employee and you're stuck to your phone and you have to, dude, that's just a bad job. But if you are a business owner, you're the boss. Don't be a bad boss to yourself. Don't go on that cruise ship or on your vacation and still check in with work. That makes zero sense. But usually it is a fear of, of losing momentum that leads us to do that kind of stuff. So those are the three biggest negatives, I think, to running an online business. There's no clear measure of progress or success. There's temptation to work all the time. And there's a giant fear of losing momentum that will just gnaw at you and eat at you, especially if you're all by yourself because you have no one to talk you off the ledge or tell you otherwise. But that's why I'm here. I want to talk you off the ledge. I want to encourage you. So let's talk about three ways you can redeem those negatives and actually run a healthy online business. You won't do it perfectly. Lord knows I don't. But these are three ways you can really redeem some of the inherent flaws of an online modern business these days and turn them into a healthy business, okay? Number one, you have to define clear financial and audience growth goals that step up, okay? I can't stress this enough. Uh, When you... And this, the, let's talk about the financial goals. When you're starting out, you need very clear financial goals. So when I coach people, I tell them, listen, just pull out a piece of paper. Um, and if you don't have your budget or don't know what all your, your bills are, you got to pull all that out, find out that information. You can use a, a resource like mint.com, M-I-N-T.com, and, and sync up all your bank account, credit card account stuff. And it's all secure. But what it'll do is populate one dashboard for you for free and tell you, um, even in the past data, what you've been spending every month on groceries, gas, eating out of restaurants, um, travel, shopping, any of that stuff. And you can get a realistic picture of what your budget is. Not what you think your budget is, but what it actually is, like what you're actually spending. But if you if you have that data and you know what your monthly bills are, I say on the top of a piece of paper, write down what is the smallest minimum amount of money that you need net, like after taxes that you need in your hand every month to continue to survive. So it's as simple as, you know, what is your rent or your mortgage? What is your bare minimum grocery budget? You know, like don't, don't like make it an awful grocery budget because you could get pretty cheap and, and then you could half die. But like, don't buy, you know, don't buy avocados every night, right? Um, which is sad because you you could, you should. When your business is crushing it, buy as many avocados as you like. But I'm talking about what's the absolute minimum grocery budget, you know, minimum insurance bills that you need, you know, any debt payments you make, lights, you know, water bill, internet that you need to be able to run your online business, basic things like that. Tally all that up at the bare minimum. Like if, if you lost your income, but you needed to survive, what's the amount per month that you would need to just keep in existence. Give yourself a fighting chance to keep fighting another day with your business 
that minimum amount. That's your minimum target monthly goal, right? And you put that at the top. So for a lot of people, it's smaller than they think. What is it? Is it $2,000 a month? Is it $4,000 a month? Is it $5,000 a month? If you have no debt, this will be smaller. If you have high debt, this will be more. If you live in a very expensive part of the country like Silicon Valley or Manhattan or San Diego, this will be a lot higher than if you lived in um, Arkansas, right? But whatever it is for you, write that minimum target monthly amount. That is your very first business goal. Now, if you really are having a hard time, if that seems unachievable, then I, I tell people to break that in half. So you're, then your first goal is half of your minimum target goal. And then from there, you want to get to the minimum goal. A lot of people want to reach six figures or they want to do seven figures or they want they have some number in their head. And that's great. I, I want you to dream and I want you to hit it because you know what? You can. Like, this is the future. There are going to be more millionaires, like knowledge millionaires, internet millionaires moving forward than ever before because it's it's really, the the, the path is laid. It is really clear. And the the... the insatiable desire for knowledge and good online content and courses and memberships is only growing. So this knowledge commerce industry that we're in is already about a $300 billion industry and growing. So there are going to be more of you that just make a ton of money with this, but you don't start there. I mean, that might be what gets you into it and you might have a dream for that, but I'm a realist when it comes to how to get somewhere. I like to see the big dream and I immediately see it as, as chunks chunk it up. So that minimum target amount is a huge goal that might take you a while. It took me two years to reach that, by the way. It shouldn't take everyone that long. And some people may be longer. So maybe you do it as your side gig while you have your job uh, and you transition. Or maybe you do it to the point where you're hitting halfway there and then you quit your side job because you got some savings and you're halfway to your monthly target and you need that extra time to really launch some new products. One of my students, Lane, just did this um, full-time pastor at a church and he had started his online business and was kind of getting, I want to say about halfway to his goals, but it was in growth mode. And he really did that while waking up super early every morning and doing that before he went to work and, and spending time with his family. And he just quit his job recently because he's at a point where he, he sees the light at the end of the tunnel and needs more time to finish launching a few products that would be really hard to do at four in the morning because um, he's already making some decent money every month. So for him, he jumped ship and I think he will get to his minimum target goal soon but you got to have that minimum target goal. And then from there, have step up goals, you know? So maybe it's for you $3,000 a month. If your business could print that every month, that would be a minimum for you to live. You're not living your best life now, but you're living. And then from there, what would it look like to be able to do, have some more wiggle room, right? Money to get ahead, to pay off your debt or to save or to take a decent vacation once a year or to increase your, your, your grocery budget a little bit to, to be able to go out to eat maybe every once in a while and enjoy a date night with your, your spouse, that kind of stuff. Those aren't the minimums, but you want to bake those in and create a new monthly target based off of that. Once you hit that, then I like to make a monthly target that is like your dream amount. So a lot of people, it might be three or $4,000 a month is like the minimum if they want, you know, a need uh, and they're not loving life there, but Hey, they can live. And then maybe it's, you know, six, 7,000 a month to really live a great life, which by definition would be pretty legit. But for a lot of people, it's that 8,000 a month to 10,000 a month, which puts you in the six figures 
and beyond mark. At least in the U.S., you know, the, the studies keep showing that the ideal amount of income to live the American dream, as they put it, is 120,000, give or take. Um, but generally between 75,000 and 120. But I would say probably to do all the things people want to do, it's closer to 120. That includes maxing out your 401k, saving for your kids' college, taking a couple of vacations a year, you know, car payments. Even though I don't believe in car payments, but you know that kind of stuff. So that that might and that's you know. 120 a year is 10 a month. And that might be your dream goal. And from there, if it, anything above that is just crazy awesome. And I would say so, yeah, for sure. But you gotta have clear financial goals because in the early months and years, if you're not hitting those goals, you need to at least know that's what you're working for. That's what every hour you spend in your office, every hour you spend on your business is for. It's like, I'm going there. If you don't have that, if you're just like, oh, I hope I make a lot of money one day or I hope, I become you know, a millionaire, I hope I make six figures, it's too big, it's too out there. When you're not making money or enough or when it's hard at the beginning, it's not realistic enough to sustain you. I know people believe in the magic of thinking big. I think the opposite. I think, yeah, have a dream, but that big thinking can lead to discouragement more often than I think it can lead to people rising to the challenge. I think certain personalities do rise to the challenge with that big magic thinking. But I think from just my experience coaching people, I have seen smaller bite-sized concrete numbers are more fruitful and more productive to help people actually be able to push that boulder when they know I'm just trying to get to 2,000 a month. I'm just trying to get to 3,000 a month. Because once they get there, they're like, oh, let's ramp it up. Let's get to the next goal. So clear financial goals that step up over time. And then also clear audience goals. Don't just base it off of money because the problem is once you hit your financial dream goals, okay? I did that long ago. Uh, then now what? I guess just more money is the next goal. Oh man, that will take you to a dark place real quick. It's fun at first. Oh, it's fun. It's fun to buy a nicer house. It's fun to buy a nice car cash. It's fun to give money away and buy cars for other people and help people fund their adoptions and do really cool stuff. That's fun and it's all good. But that is a shallow, cold, soulless existence if if after you've reached your financial goals and even a financial dream to just keep raising the stakes financially. Like the more you talk with people who are doing really well financially, the more you find that this is a a, a thread that goes through a lot of our stories, which is, man, the, the, the monetary goals started to become really, meaningless at some point and just not satisfying and actually harmful. So that's that's not going to satisfy you in the end, but I think it's also at the beginning, it's hard when you're not hitting your, even your minimum monthly target for financial goals, having audience growth goals is so incredible. And they don't have crazy big ones either. You're not going to have a million subscribers. I'm sorry. Most of us won't ever reach that amount and you don't need to, to make millions of dollars. Actually, I don't have millions of subscribers. That didn't stop me from creating a million dollar business. It's amazing what you can do with a small loyal tribe on the internet, but still create audience goals. You know, by the, in the next six months, I'd love to grow my email list by 500 or by the end of the year by 2000, or I want to increase um, my customers by a hundred this year, whatever it is like have audience growth goals. And I'll be honest, the email list is the most important audience. I don't really care as much about your YouTube size or your Instagram size. All of those are a means to an end, which is your email list size. But if it helps you to break it down to like, I want to grow YouTube by this amount. 
And then hopefully that will lead to email signups by this amount. That's great. But have audience growth goals because really your business is all about other people. It's about impacting other people. And so in the early days when you're not making money, either because there's not enough people that know about you or you don't have a product launched yet, which is fine. That's how we all start. Um, you're building your audience. You still are delivering something. You're still adding value. And so you want to encourage yourself by watching your audience grow. So have audience goals that step up over time. Clear. Define clear financial and audience goals. Got it? All right, number two way to redeem those negatives. Define clear work hours and non-work hours and then stick to them no matter what. So don't don't be open-ended and don't even have like um, rough, like, well, I'm usually in the office. I I tell people to get strict with yourself. Just like if you worked for someone else, most of the time, some businesses and some positions are a little more flexible. Most of the time, they won't say, yeah, just kind of come in-ish whenever you want, as long as you're getting your work done. They usually will only say that to people who are high performers. And high performers, by definition, are disciplined. So, you know, you're not going to be able to just wander in to work at 9 o'clock one day, 11 o'clock another day, don't come in for a day, come in in your pajamas one day at noon. Mm-mm. They're not going to allow you to just come in the office at 10 p.m. because you want to. They're going to expect you to be in the office probably during certain hours where they want their team primarily there for a lot of reasons, for accountability, because there's certain hours of the day where most people are most productive because of meetings, because of syncing up schedules and with clients, things like that. You almost have to treat yourself like your boss and, and, and give yourself rules. It works. So, Give yourself specific days. What days are you actually going to work? It's different for everybody. My wife, for example, is a mom. So she's not just a business owner and a wife. She's also a mom. So she only works two days a week. She works Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are her work days. I work these days about, well, since COVID and in the summer, I work three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which are conveniently the days that my wife is not working. So she's at home with our girls. I can work these days, right? Clear days when you work. Clear days when you do not work. It's the same thing, but it's semantics. It's very important to to say when your work hours and work days are, but it's just as important to say, I do not work on Saturdays and Sundays. One of my buddies, uh, Ryan, uh, super talented entrepreneur, super good dude. Um, He's always taken the weekends off so he doesn't overwork, but he was intrigued by an episode of the show I did last year about why everyone should take Fridays off. Um, And he actually took me up on that. And he started to take Fridays off and it challenged him to be more efficient between Monday and Thursday. And he said it's his reports back to me have been fascinating because he says at first it was super awkward. He didn't know what to do on Fridays, but all of a sudden Fridays would fill up with other good things, sitting on his front porch and reading his Bible or reading a good book, getting errands done, right? Like for me, a lot of times on those days off, it's getting the car washed and like, like this Friday, I got to get an oil change, right? Like just non-exciting stuff, but normal dad, husband stuff. Uh, But it's important because you're not working on those days. So just knowing when you don't work. And then specifically, not only the days, but your hours. When are you going to get in the office? When are you going to leave the office? Are you going to take a break in the middle of the day uh, to work out or exercise? Um, For the longest time, I had a rhythm where I like to not start work until 11. I like to have the longest, slowest morning. I would wake up, I'd read my Bible, I would have breakfast with my kids. I would take them to school. I would go for a walk in my neighborhood in the walking trails. I would shower. I would exercise maybe. I would read a book. Like I wouldn't come into the office until 11, sometimes noon. 
because you know what? It felt good to be able to do that. That's my prerogative to enjoy that. But I wasn't just meandering through the day. I knew get in the office at 11. And I'd work from 11 to four. That was my rhythm for a long time. And I really enjoy that. These days I've, I've shifted back since my kid's school has shifted and my sleep habits have shifted. Now it's just earlier. So now I'm generally in the office at nine. Nine is what I shoot for. And I'm usually done by two. And after two, that's when I can have calls or meetings or catch up with somebody or work on a, a pet project or something like that. But the point is you get to determine what your hours are. Now you may not be full-time. You might be doing this in your part, the spare time, right? So then it's even more important for you to say, when am I working? Are you going to be like my, my student Lane who would get up at 4 or 4.30 and, and work for an hour before he did family time before he went to his real job? Is it an hour in the mornings? Is it an hour in the evenings? Is it half a day on Saturdays and you've agreed with it with your spouse or your roommates or your, your family or whatever it is? But be clear about when you are working on your business and when you aren't. And then just obey by those laws. There's something really freeing, this sounds weird, but really freeing about having boundaries in general in life, especially in your work hours. When you know, I gotta go in and get there, and you may not feel like you're making progress, you might feel really frustrated, sales might be down, you may not know what the heck you're doing, but you just work during those hours, and then you clock out. And you give yourself the freedom and the perk to walk away. I'll come back another day. There's something inherently freeing and wonderful about that. In fact, when I started my online business during the global recession of 2008-9, on food stamps, scared out of my mind, there was so little in my control. Nobody knew about my blog. Nobody knew about my, my YouTube channel. I couldn't write good sales copy. I couldn't convince anyone to buy or make anybody buy my products. But you know what I could control? going to my little second bedroom, which was my home office, shutting the door at the same time every day and working in those days from nine to five and doing something, just chipping away at my business. I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was moving the business forward. Sometimes I would just literally sit there. So some days I would just sit there and just hold my head and like, I don't know if I would cry. My, my, my wife and I, she, she like doesn't believe that I cry. Like she literally thinks like my tear ducts don't work. I swear I've cried. And I've cried in front of her, but she denies it. But that just probably shows how infrequently I cry. But I'm sure some of those days, if I remember correctly, I would just sit there and cry quietly because I was scared and I had no control. But I, in the, my absence of control, I controlled whatever I could control. And that was me just going into my office and working the set amount of hours. And there's something comforting about doing what you can do. Look, friend, I am not the smartest, sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not. I have been really blessed by God to build some really successful products and two really successful businesses and do some really cool things. But it is not because of my intellect. It is not because of my schooling. A lot of it, I think, has to do with just the fact that I show up every day and I, I, I am super consistent. And I kind of pride myself in that because, you know what, I can't control a lot of other things, but I can control when I show up and that I'm consistent and that I leave. I leave. Close a laptop. Like when, to, when I'm done today, I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk away. And I don't know. I don't know if this was good. I hope this episode is helpful. I hope this pushes the ball forward. But it, it's not up to me. I ultimately leave it up to God. And I did my part. I showed up today. Work hours are a beautiful gift. So make them, 
and stick to them. And finally, third way to redeem these negatives about online business and, and run an actual healthy online business is don't believe momentum theory. I know momentum is a real thing, but don't believe it in the sense that I don't think it's health, healthy or helpful to believe in momentum theory. I don't believe, you can disagree, I don't believe that you control your destiny, really, in a lot of ways. I don't believe you can create momentum. Um, let me qualify that. I don't believe you can create momentum or destroy momentum in a single day, a week, a month, or maybe even a year. I think momentum, while a reality, is actually built little by little, brick by brick, over a long period of time. It also cannot be destroyed quickly. It's destroyed over a long period of time. Whether it is a fallen empire that is built over many years, they don't fall usually overnight. They're usually in a state of decay before anyone even knows it. So it might seem like a sudden like, oh my gosh, that empire is over, that country fell apart, whether it's the Roman Empire or whatever it is, you know, the previous Egyptian empire is just like falling apart. There's probably some systemic decay that was hidden under the surface. Nobody was, was changing it in the other direction. So it just took time and all of a sudden we can all see it's falling apart, but it was decaying long before that. This happens in businesses all the time. You think about like Blockbuster Video in the United States. Blockbuster Video was a humongous business in the 1990s. I mean, it was huge. It filed for bankruptcy a few years back, and it seemed there was a couple years of a slow death, but it was actually a really slow death. It was a really slow death. Even when Netflix took off, this was before Netflix was a downloadable streaming service. I mean, do you remember when Netflix would mail you DVDs? Like that was Netflix for years. For years, Netflix was starting to take over um, Blockbuster. And I mean, here's the thing. Netflix, the guys that started Netflix pitched to Blockbuster for Blockbuster to buy their idea. And they said, nah, it's a stupid idea. How dumb, I mean, like in retrospect, right? Poor Blockbuster guys, how dumb that they didn't buy Netflix. So Netflix like replaced them, right? But my whole point is it was a slow decay to death. There is no momentum shift that quickly in business and in life, very, very rarely. There are a few moments where that can happen, but very rarely is it that quickly. I know you're, you're all gonna send me emails and leave comments of some specific examples where momentum can shift. I'm talking about you and your online business. Unless you do something insanely stupid or there's something insanely insane that just completely disrupts your business, like COVID, momentum is really hard to slow down quickly. All that to say, it's not really you. You can't really kill your momentum. It's very few things are gonna kill your momentum quickly. So this fear, I gotta keep my foot on the gas pedal for fear of if I just let up a little bit, uh, my business is gonna fall apart. Maybe, maybe not, so that's debatable. And even if it did, it's not gonna fall apart overnight. It's gonna take over a year for that kind of thing to fall apart. Tony Robbins has a great quote that's just helpful to think about it. He says, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in a decade. Good things take time, little by little, to build and to destroy. 
So don't buy into the idea that like, gosh, what I do today is going to change the future of my business for better or for worse. I hope I get it right. I hope I've got the right sales copy. I hope I've got the right funnel. I hope I've got the right content. Dude, you can make a ton of bad videos and then figure it out as you go. That's me. It's a slow build, which I love because it takes the pressure off the moment by moment, day by day decision. No pressure. Screw up as much as you want. Eventually, you'll figure it out. And then once you figure it out, you'll do a little bit better and a little bit better. There's a great proverb uh, in the Bible, right? Solomon writes that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I love that. I mean, that's a great analogy for literally wealth building. I mean, that's how you build a million-dollar portfolio is 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, little by little. Invest it over the long haul. You'll be a millionaire in a few decades. It's how you build good businesses. That's how you build good relationships and marriages. That's how you build good communities. That's how you build a good country. You know, there's so much you could be saying politically about our country is a mess right now in the U.S. How do we have a better country? It's not electing someone new. It's it's all of us coming together and deciding to be a different country than we are and slowly building towards it. I wish it would happen overnight, but it's going to take years and decades to build a healthier, better country. We'll get there by God's grace, but it's a slow, little by little thing. That's your business too, my friend. Don't buy into this momentum theory. Don't be afraid to take your foot off the gas pedal. If you get some ounce of success, you're afraid that you can't ever change it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to mess up the magic. I don't want to step on the butterfly that, you know, on the other side of the world, you know, kill somebody. It, it's not like that. It's slow. It's little by little. You, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of room for error. Consistently build, grow, learn, show up. You, you will build a healthy business. I hope this has been helpful for you. I'm curious where where you land on this. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment. Which one of those three negatives, you know, the lack of clear goals, immeasurable progress, the temptation to work all the time, the fear of losing momentum, which of those three do you feel like you struggle with the most? And where do you want to see the most redemption in your online business? And if you're brand new to online business and haven't started, which of those feels most poignant, most like, man, I'm glad I'm thinking about that before I really build this. I'd love to know. Leave a comment below. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave me a review. (laughs) That would be helpful in the answer to that question. Let me know you listened to this episode and leave me a review and let me know your thoughts on that. Uh, You can always email me, graham at grahamcochran.com. I'd love to jump in a conversation with you and dialogue with you about that. And if you haven't started your online business, and you're like, Graham, this is the year. This is the year. I got to do it. Or if you have a service-based business and you're like, this is the year I need to start a passive income element to my business because stupid COVID is ruining my business and it's prohibiting me from, from serving my clients the way I normally would until this whole thing turns around, which it will. Then I want you to get started on the right foot. I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart and have a four-week check by a checklist, step-by-step checklist to go from no audience to making money in the next 30 days. It's absolutely free. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart, download it, and implement it. Actually do it. It works. This is a great time to be building your online business. I believe we are at the beginning still of a giant wave of knowledge commerce style businesses that will define your life and your income and your dreams and also define a generation moving forward as more people 
look to grow and learn their skills and come on on line to do that than they would at university um, or through other traditional means. So you're still at the front of this wave, which we'll talk about more in the coming weeks and months. But if you want to start that business, use my guide, my 30-day online income jumpstart guide at grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. Appreciate you. Thanks for hanging with me today. Thanks for listening. Uh, you are a special individual, the fact that you've made it this far. And I believe in you and I'm cheering for you, rooting for you in your online business today and in the months and years ahead. Stay healthy, my friend. Stay safe. And I'll see you on another episode real soon.